brands that we're working with really, I think, recognize the long, long game. We can't continue to um, pump fossil fuels out of the Earth's core and use them for producing chemicals that we could otherwise get from renewable resources. Really, in the big picture, that's what we're fundamentally out to change. That was Sarah Bellos, founder and CEO of Stony Creek Colors. She sat down with us at 3686 Entrepreneurship Festival to talk about how she's scaling her natural dye business to bring sustainable agriculture to the denim industry. You're listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a Launch Tennessee podcast powered by Pinnacle Financial Partners, dedicated to entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders. Launch Tennessee is a public-private partnership that supports entrepreneurs and small businesses from ideation to exit. And the vision is simple. Make Tennessee the most startup-friendly state in the nation. With a statewide network of partners across industries like healthcare, life science, energy, music, and more, Launch Tennessee provides the resources and connectivity to drive Tennessee's innovation economy. In this episode, we hear from an entrepreneur who's grown her agricultural tech startup from the ground up in Tennessee's soil. Sarah shares how Launch Tennessee has connected her to a vital network of programs and resources, and she predicts a bright future for sustainable agricultural startups like hers. Beyond denim, uh, that we know that natural colorants are uh, going to be more and more in demand by customers, and the only thing stopping that is not having the products available and not having enough of the products for a larger company to make the leap. This season's sponsor, Pinnacle Financial Partners, prides itself on being much more than just a bank. They offer their clients long-term partnerships for growing their businesses. You can learn more at pnfp.com. Although I'm usually your host, this episode is a little different because Kevin Roddy of Pinnacle Financial Partners took the host seat and interviewer guest Sarah Bellos in the midst of a busy festival. For more stories like this, be sure to visit launchtn.org slash podcast. Now let's jump into their conversation. Well, Sarah Bellows, welcome 3686. Um, I'm Kevin Roddy with Pinnacle Financial Partners. And as you can tell by this good looking uh, screen here, uh, we are a sponsor, uh, a large sponsor of 3686. And we've been a sponsor since the very beginning and been a partner for Launch Tennessee um, for a while now. So um, because of that, I have the pleasure of interviewing you which I've, I think I've done this one other time, so I'm a, I'm a rookie at this, so my apologies in advance. But I think the reason for this interview uh, is really to learn more about you uh, and Stony Creek Colors and understand the business that it is, uh, why it's important. Um, but I think the first place to start is really learn more about you. Uh, I read a little about your interesting background. You told me on the elevator up, you're from New York and came down here presumably to start this company, um, and looking at your webpage, it sounded like it's a family business with your sister. So fill in the blanks for me. Who is Sarah? And tell me a little about, uh, you know, parlay that story into the Stony Creek Colors uh, story and why, why it's here. Yeah, so first of all, it's great to be here, and thanks to Launch Tennessee for hosting this conference because it's definitely a great way to connect kind of across the whole startup ecosystem. We are at Stony Creek Colors, uh, fundamentally believe that the clothing that we wear and the colors that are part of our everyday life uh, should be clean and non-toxic and from a transparent and traceable supply chain. So the challenges that we're solving for are really um, 
how do we help fashion brands and textile mills bring cleaner colors into their supply chains and do that in a way uh, that resonates with their customers. So uh, the product we're no most known for right now is natural indigo, which we are predominantly selling into the denim industry. And I'll give you a little bit more background. When we talk about Sony Creek Colors, yeah. that's kind of the fundamentals of the business model. But jumping back to me, I did uh, locate to Tennessee, uh, to the Nashville area in 2005. I had studied agriculture and um, went into college originally for engineering actually at Cornell and uh, sort of fell in love with sustainable agriculture and the idea that we can really uh, reward and pay farmers for ecosystem services that all of us as the general public uh, need like clean air, clean water, um, that agriculture instead of being a source of environmental problems could really be a huge source of uh, the solution mm -hmm. and that's something that is really resonating today as you know, a conversation around global climate change and how can industry be part of the solution, I uh, certainly expect ag will become more and more of uh, the sort of centerpiece of that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I uh, moved to Nashville and um, started a different business actually with my sisters. So I um, founded Sony Creek Colors by myself in 2012, uh, but prior in the kind of six years leading up to that, I had a couple of other enterprises. Uh, both a nonprofit urban farm that I co-founded with some friends, and then uh, the business with my sister was offering textile dye service to designers and selling kind of custom shirts and scarves and accessories at boutiques and stores like Whole Foods Market. But using and, this bio-based dyes? Yeah, we had, we're always okay. using natural dyes, uh, which is kind of a craft that we learned when we launched the business. We knew we wanted to do something that was... Um, more eco-friendly and so that led um, to learning about natural dyes and really in trying to scale up that business it's when I realized the problems that led me to start Stony Creek Color. So Stony Creek uh, is really focused on creating a consistent and very scalable supply of transparent and traceable bio-based dyes. So that means that our colors come from plants instead of coming from petroleum or coal tar derivatives which is where most Today, all synthetic dyes are basically uh, come out of the ground as fossil fuels and are fractionated and turned into yeah. um, other synthetic chemistry. So mm -hmm. natural dyes might be the same exact molecule, but it's from a bio, you know, biologically um, derived product instead of the chemical synthesis. That sounds incredibly complicated. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> how, I mean, how do you scale, how did you scale that? I mean, it sounds like you came across you identify the need, but then you have to understand uh, and, and get to a point where you can make this into a scalable product that, and then go out and market. So how, you know? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's actually been really hard. Uh, yeah. I thought it would be happen much more quickly. Right. <laughs> so we're still All here. It's 2019, yeah. seven years later, and um, we actually have had a ton of success in getting into the marketplace. We've had brands like Levi's, Patagonia, Wrangler, Lucky Brand that are using our natural indigo in commercial denim production. And that um, is the first time in over 100 years that that has been possible. So synthetic dyes have completely permeated the industry because they're easy to use and they're very widely available. Unfortunately, now the more we learn about um, health hazards of chemistries and especially with dye chemistry um, the skin is the largest organ in your body and so right. it's very much um, uh, receptive to what goes 
goes on it. So in the case of indigo, for example, the synthetic indigo that's used is made um, from cyanide, formaldehyde, benzene, a lot of toxic chemistries that go into that. So obviously we knew we wanted to start with the plant plant product instead of the synthetic chemistry, but that required us to build the entire agricultural value chain. Uh, there was yeah. no commercial yeah. seed supply. Right. There was no way to commercially har mechanically harvest. There was no processing capacity. And so kind of layer by layer, um, and actually with the support of Launch Tennessee Ecosystem, um, we joined an accelerator program in yeah. 2013 that was sponsored by Launch Tennessee yeah. and really kind of bit by bit broke off the next largest barrier to entry that we had to overcome until you know now we're able to produce um, a product at industrial quantities. We still have way further to go in terms of getting to scale, but the fundamentals of the business have now been uh, really vetted and the technology we know is capable of scaling. Um, both the seed technology in terms of the genetics of the plants and the yields and also the extraction technology. Very cool. Yeah. So what is, what is the market opportunity here? I mean, you mentioned Levi's. I mean, what is the need that they're trying to meet through Stony Creek Colors? Is it a market they're trying to, to because like you said, synthetic colors are easier and cheaper to use. Yeah, totally. So you're, you're bringing a, a much more eco-friendly solution, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm trying to understand sort of what their, their end game is and why, they're, why it's important to them. Yeah, well, so for perspective, there's about 142 million pounds of synthetic indigo made every year that goes into the denim industry. Uh, absolutely none of that is made in the United States anymore, and that's because it's a really nasty process. I, I mentioned cyanide, it takes over a half a pound of cyanide to make one pound of indigo. Nice. So imagine all these yeah. really nasty chemicals going into just a single chemical that we use every day of our right. lives, basically. Right. You're not wearing denim, but I'm assuming when you go home, I you're never will again after this conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> you, not with synthetic. You can go to Patagonia and yeah. buy our uh, the Steel Forge collection as yeah. the Stony Creek Colors Natural Indigo. But uh, so the brands that we're working with really, I think, recognize the long long game. We can't continue to. Um, pump fossil fuels out of the Earth's core and use them for producing chemicals that we could otherwise get from renewable resources. Really in the big picture, that's what we're fundamentally out to change. Instead of taking carbon out of the Earth, you know, in the mm -hmm. form of decayed dinosaurs right. and purifying it and putting it under, you know, 600 degree temperatures right. to force these chemical reactions, we can actually foster this natural occurring substance uh, pay farmers and reward sort of rural economies, um, bring green jobs back to yeah. the United States and do it in a way that's going to help those brands capture new customers that are interested in kind of the traceability and really the authenticity of their yeah. product. So I think that, uh, you know, while we're not in 100% of Levi's garments, certainly it, it is, um, it's a, incumbent on every brand that cares about, you know, whether it's climate change or about rural farmers, you know, Wrangler is a customer of ours and they are very big um, and obviously you know selling to rural economies so the jeans I'm wearing yeah. right now they're lucky brand they are dyed with natural indigo these were cut and sewn in LA also so it's you know absolutely when we started the business we knew um, I mean I'd already been hand dyeing with natural dyes for several several years prior so I knew that wasn't the business we were trying right. to create we wanted to from the beginning set out to build a whole new system for producing plant-based dyes that is scalable and so um, certainly you know it's taking a long time but that's very much what we've done yeah that's awesome so tell me uh, a little about 
you know, as I was reading about Stony Creek Colors, I, I, I was intrigued uh, by your partnership with farmers mm-hmm. uh, and the whole indigo plant yeah. substitution effect, if you will. I mean, I've heard about that taking place with hemp, but I, I didn't know uh, or really appreciate the plant indigo itself or how it could be used by farmers to do what you're talking about, yeah. sort of, you know, uh, rebuild this their business or, or provide a, a crop that perhaps a little more profitable but tell me tell me a little about what what you're doing with farmers uh, yeah. and why they're in, in the partnership that you strike with them yeah so our we actually uh, manage our own factory it's based in Springfield Tennessee so in a rural county in Robertson County Tennessee and we work with farmers in about a 60 mile radius of our facilities so both in Tennessee and in Kentucky to grow our indigo biomass. And when we were designing the business model, uh, we knew we really wanted to lower um, the barriers for farmers to get into growing an alternative crop. You know, being a farmer is so hard today. It's why um, so many growers are leaving. Um, that you have macroeconomic trends, and then you have kind of the individual um, environmental challenges of managing for weather and, um, you know, what to grow. And so, for Stony Creek, we knew that we wanted to make it pretty straightforward for the farmer to grow the crop. Um, we are providing a crop that is actually a legume, so it's able to fix nitrogen from the atmosphere and turn that into fertilizer itself. So there's a very specific group of plants that are able to do that through this like symbiotic relationship with bacteria in the soil, and our indigo varieties are one of those. So it's mm. actually a way for the farmer um, to rotate between some of the more traditional crops they might be growing like corn or soy or tobacco and put in a crop that's going to need less nitrogen, less fertilizer, and then also uh, provide beneficial insect habitat, provide some other kind of benefits to the soil like nematode yeah. suppressant suppression and so that um, those are kind of some environmental reasons a farmer might want to grow but mostly it's about economics right can a farmer make more money growing indigo than other crops and And so yeah so definitely um, you know today unfortunately the US farm economy is in a major crisis and corn and soybeans are um, almost not profitable at all Um, and so the that the importance of having a diversified number of crops for a farmer to grow is just getting more and more important. Right. Um, unlike something like hemp where really, uh, you know, the market is still being really figured out um, and there are a lot of people growing it and not that many processors, you know, in our case we know exactly who's going to be growing our indigo and that those farmers have been con- contracted specifically to fit into our processing capacity at the factory. So every year as we're scaling up our factory capacity we can onboard more farmers and so while it presents a bit of a chicken and egg for us as a growing company, you know, um, make sure we have the sales contracts in place and contract with the farmers kind of uh, many, many months before the crop will actually be ready for harvest, make sure we've grown out the seed supply that we need for that next year's crop. There's definitely a very large, you know, logistics and planning yeah. component to it, right. but ultimately um, we want to let farmers do what they do best, which is growing the crop, and then we do everything kind of on the front end to get them the right seed and genetics for their field and then we actually do the harvesting as a company uh, with machines that we have specially developed for harvesting natural indigo and do all of the processing and transportation for the grower so they are able to do what they're you know best suited at which is growing the crop and we can kind of handle all the nuts and bolts about what makes indigo yeah you know this specific um, in, within this specific business model work 
So how big is Stony Creek Stony Creek Colors now? Yeah, uh, we have 28 employees right yeah. now. Um, we have we located and did kind of our first. Um, we located in 2016 in Springfield, right. Tennessee, and had our first kind of larger scale um, production. The 2015 pilot was at my own farm, which was in White's Creek, Tennessee, so oh, wow. just north of Nashville. Yeah. And um, so now, you know, every year, just trying to layer on more factory processing capacity alongside kind of scaling up the farmer side. Really cool. Yeah. So let's talk about life as a startup, and specifically Launch Tennessee. So tell me about what that brought to the table, if you will, yeah. um, and then sort of, I don't know, the challenges that you have right now. Uh, not just as a small business owner in general, it's not necessarily as a startup, but I'm sure there are some things you're dealing with that are unique to where you are now versus, you know, a company that has is, is been around a lot longer or maybe bigger. Yeah, so. definitely. You know, I think that, um, well, I mentioned that we participated in an accelerator that yep. was kind of originally sponsor, sponsored from Launch Tennessee. And um, just before that, we had written a grant, um, an SBIR grant. We've been really fortunate in um, applying for and receiving a lot of federal research grants. Uh, there's not really any information out on how modern-day indigo farming should look, <laughs> and there's no commercial seed supply, as I mentioned. So Stony Creek's really had to develop from the ground up most all of the methods that we're using today. Right. And um, we've, we're lucky to have some federal support for that, but when we got into the Launch Tennessee ecosystem, it really helped us to think kind of more broadly about mm -hmm. what... Um, how could we scale a company that's not just built around R&D grant funding? Because you can't use research grants to build a Forever. factory right. or right. to um, produce your product, right. <laughs> right. for example. And so um, we participated in the 10, which was a yeah. selection of the top 10 um, companies from out of kind of the startup ecosystem. And that was in 2015, I think. And uh, right in that same year, we uh, participated in, a vill in Village Capital, which was a, yeah. another ag um, and sustainability accelerator. And so um, we were, that really is what helped kick us kickstart our institutional funding. Uh, by that point, we had already had our first commercial pilot with Cone Denim. So we had been producing indigo um, and small scale with toll processors and at our own my farm's pilot facility, but we didn't have a factory yet. And so right. that helped us to go out and, um, you know, we had already done enough work to prove that the best indigo was the one we would produce in-house. And right. so we really knew by then we needed our own facility for processing. And so uh, that really helped us on, guide us on that journey. Mm -hmm. You know, it's rare for startups to be manufacturing companies yeah. that are raising venture capital. But I think in our scenario, because we do have such a, uh, a big tech focus, right, the market for natural indigo is far beyond just denim. It, it has applications in the food industry, cosmetics industry, pharmaceuticals. We're, we're very focused right now on serving the market within denim, but the IP that we're developing in our seed technology and in the extraction technology has really global applications. Wow. And so while we're kind of really it's sometimes in the weeds of solving like just head on you know technical challenges or operational challenges we have three road tractors and like something's broke down or you know the um, pump stopped Two working formal problems yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we might be a little bit more like sometimes solving mechanical right, problems right. than a typical SAS startup or something gotta do what yeah. you gotta do <laughs> but that um, you know our team has, has always been you know proven goes above and beyond and roll up their sleeves and yeah. kind of work across this just different teams to get the job done um, 
and truly I think it's a, you know any startup that is a fundamental like if you don't have a good team you can't sure. be successful um, I, in thinking about our experience here in Tennessee as a startup you know um, at the Jump Fund, which is a investment uh, mm -hmm. group that invests in women-led companies, yep. they're actually our only like native Tennessee money. So the only institutional or you know investor money that we've raised at all actually has come from the Jump Fund from within Tennessee. So that's all you raise? No, no, we raise money across like the whole country, oh, okay. but not from within Tennessee. Right, right. So I think that you know as much as what Lunch Tennessee is trying to do to make sure we're fostering startups that uh, can grow here and succeed here that it's still a really big challenge to raise capital from within the state yep. um, so if you know New York and California and even Kansas City didn't exist then we wouldn't have been able to raise the, the money that we did to help us get up to this level of, um, of sure. growth that we're at now so outside of the capital challenges why Tennessee I mean uh, why does it make sense to be here in middle Tennessee um, you know long term yeah um, well you know, actually, indigo as a crop has historical significance. The South, it was yeah. one of the top three cash crops in colonial America. That was before Tennessee was actually a state. So um, maybe it would have been grown in Tennessee had we been, a, you know, a colony. Right. Um, but uh, so that actually the like climate for indigo growing is great here. We can grow three different varieties of indigo. And so it's good for us to be kind of in an agricultural state, but where farmers are... Um, you know, we're not a pure corn and soy state. For right. So for ag tech innovation, Tennessee is a great place. We have seven different soil types here. So if you want to prove your um, crop in kind of a diverse area, it's great for that. Um, and even where we're located in Springfield, you know, even within a 60-mile radius, there's so many microclimates. And so right. as a business that is executing the harvest for the farmer, it's been great to be able to um, kind of play off that diversity and locations and microclimates a little bit when you need to get into the field if it's been raining, you know, on yeah. the west side of the factory right. for the last three days, you can still, you know, get a harvest in somewhere. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So a couple more questions. Um, what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs looking for resources? Um, in, in Tennessee, I mean, just, you know, somebody with a great uh, idea or even better, this is a company that's that has actually got paying clients. What are some of the resources you advise an entrepreneur to look for, look towards? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know most companies don't raise venture capital, right. and so I think sometimes we get in this environment caught up on like the fundraising side, but that's not really what's going to grow your business. You know, we don't take out a press release when we close the funding round. Right. <laughs> um, I think that that's uh, shouldn't really be the the metric or where people are looking for their validation of success. Resources really, I think, are first and foremost like peers going through the same growth stage of your company. So that's really one of the benefits when we went through the 10, for example, or Village Capital Ag, ag Cohort. Um, just learning what challenges someone else, you know, maybe there's a company that was already at 30 employees when you were only at 10 employees, but you knew that you wanted to get to the next level or like formalize the executive team. For example, we just brought on our first really um, professional chief operating officer. And right. so the level of kind of how you take those next leaps as a company, it's hard sometimes to have a mentor that might be, you know, a 30-year veteran of an industry to even remember, like, going back that, you know, back to what it was like when you were just kind of on the ground or in the right. lab with 10 people. And so there's really, in my experience, nothing like being able to pick up a phone and call a fellow entrepreneur and ask, you know, sure. what did you do in this situation? Um, 
So that's huge. And then really, you know, for science-based companies, uh, leveraging research grants. Um, mm -hmm. And for manufacturing companies, we have um, really benefited from uh, Tennessee Economic and Community Development helped us to um, locate in the factory that we're located in. It's in a hub zone in a low-income census tract in Springfield, and so it was a building that the County Economic Development Board had identified as needing revitalization. And so we were able to work with the county and the state um, economic yeah. and community development to get this building rehabbed and make it kind of a more proper industrial building. And uh, that certainly when I was starting, that was not something on my radar at all to think right. that company as small as ours could have, uh, you know, get a, a you know grant from economic community development to do something like that. But we're not just producing jobs and clean, you know, green jobs in our area, but we're also, you know, 95% of our cost of goods sold is literally going within like a 60 mile radius of our factory. Most of it's going within the county that we're located in. Right. For a chemical manufacturer, that's crazy, you know, rare. And so I think that it's not just the jobs we're producing, but also this ripple effect that businesses like ours, you know, processors and agribusinesses can have on kind of the whole surrounding ecosystem. Um, so so other businesses, other ag tech, ag tech businesses are looking at Springfield, Robertson County? Um, or are you... I don't know that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> but I well, think it should that, be. Yeah, it should like. be. Yeah. And, you know, really, though, you know, when we're paying farmers and they're paying their employees or they're paying their, um, you know, um, other vendors or, for, you know, fertilizer sales, it, it all kind of helps boost the whole rural right, economy. Right. So, Very cool. Yeah. Finally, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, so... Um, do you see yourself in other... You mentioned sort of the huge market opportunity mm -hmm. uh, for Stony Creek Colors uh, in food and a lot of other areas. I mean, what, what, what are the opportunities that you, uh, that you see for yourself and the company in five years? And also the challenges, yeah. too. Yeah, so we, um, you know, certainly we're keeping our eye on the prize in terms of denim. Our target is to replace 2% of the synthetic indigo with the natural indigo uh, solution and so we know that that means expanding to more global denim mills we actually just this week are shipping our first product to china so um oh, wow. that is good for us yeah <laughs> um and well, you so, still can yeah well, said that, sorry. <laughs> uh, but certainly you know beyond denim uh that we know that natural colorants are uh, going to be more and more in demand by customers and the only thing stopping that is not having the products available and not having enough of the products for a larger company to make the leap. And so um, as long as we can keep our financing to keep growing, then the ability to reach those other markets is really more a matter of just getting up to scale right. to prove that you have enough. So you mentioned the food market. I mentioned it first, but, yeah. <laughs> you know. Look, look, I did not mention it. Well, you mentioned it first. I, I'm sure. We, you know, absolutely, uh, we think that artificial colors need to be removed from the food supply chain, and we're not really the only ones that think that. Lots of food, major um, multinationals have already committed to removing artificial colors. And unfortunately, uh, fortunately for us maybe, but blue is not a really common naturally occurring color. And so you absolutely need a sustainable and renewable source of blue, and we believe in natural indigo is going to be that source. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really all the questions I have. Uh, I mean, that... I will tell you, I've talked more about agriculture in the last 30 minutes than I ever have uh, in my entire life. And I'm like, it was really cool. Yeah. Well, I really, you, you should 
think about and, and I'm going to go get some <laughs> jeans with, uh, you know, Sunny Creek Colors yeah. uh, Indigo. Yeah. So make sure it says natural indigo, you know, brands don't you can worry. say real indigo and that just really means it's synthetic indigo. But if it says plant derived or bio preferred, that is uh, Noted. what you want to look for. Good. <laughs> well, Sarah, best of luck. I uh, really enjoyed learning about, more about you and Sunny Creek Colors and uh, I know the future is going to be uh, very bright for you and your company. So best wishes and thanks for your time. Thank you. Great Alrighty. to talk with you. Thanks for listening to Disrupt the Continuum, a Launch Tennessee podcast powered by Pinnacle Financial Partners. This podcast is where Tennessee's entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders share their stories. To follow along on our journey, be sure to visit launchtn.org slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to continuing the conversation soon on another episode of Disrupt the Continuum.